Please open your Bibles with me once again to the book of the Psalms. And look there with me in Psalm 55. Look at uh, verse 22 and look there with me at this blessed statement. He shall sustain me. I love all the places where we read those two blessed words. He shall. Beloved, our Savior's name is Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. For salvation is of Him, our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. What did the angel of the Lord say? Call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. My friend, it's one thing to hear that, quite another to know and believe that. What a blessing it is for those who are troubled, those who are going through trials and tribulation, to be enabled to have God make you to know that He shall. What a blessing. What a blessing. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and to know how that He, not you, not me, but how that He shall sustain thee. And beloved, He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Beloved, believing sinner of God, Cast your burden upon the Lord. You see, this is how we comfort and encourage one another. How do we comfort? How do we encourage one another? By reminding each other of His blessed promises. We were just reading this past Wednesday from the book of Hebrews, how the apostle encouraged God's people, writing, Beloved, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. My dear brother, my dear sister, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. You see, when we're in desperate need of a word of encouragement, someone you know is in desperate need of a word of encouragement or a word of comfort, how are we to encourage them? How are we to comfort them? Well, we encourage them and comfort them in Christ. We encourage them and comfort them by His Word. I can't tell you how often that's happened to me. Just when I needed to hear it, God blessed me to hear afresh, Beloved, you're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Beloved, the Lord is your shepherd. You shall not lack for anything. For all things were created by Him and for Him. And beloved, by Him and in Him, all things are yours. What a blessing it is to have friends in the Lord, moved of God, that take heed to comfort and encourage us, lest there be in any of us an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, in this psalm, Psalm 55, David speaks of the hardships he endured when his own son Absalom betrayed him. 
Remember, Absalom conspired against David with one of David's trusted governors named Ahithophel. And But further to that, this portion speaks of the greater David, Christ Jesus the Lord, and it speaks of the enemy that betrayed him, Judas Iscariot, his own apostle. Now, Ahithophel is considered by most Bible commentary, commentators to be a type and picture of the betrayal of our Lord by Judas Iscariot. It's interesting how both Ahithophel and Judas, after each of these men betrayed their friend, they both went out and hanged themselves. In first, rather, in Second Samuel chapter 17, we read how that when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his ass and arose and gat him home to his house, to his city, and put his household in order, and hanged himself and died, and was buried in the sepulchre of his father. In Matthew chapter 27, we read how that Judas, after he betrayed our Lord, repented himself, and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See that to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and departed, and went and hanged himself. And not only did Ahithophel and Judas die an unnatural, unexpected death, but also Absalom, David's son, the son whom he loved, also died an unnatural, unexpected death by the hand of Joab, David's trusted general. And oh, how David wept over his son. We read in Second Samuel, how that he cried with a loud voice, saying, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would to God I had died for thee. O oh, Absalom, my son, my son. And David, that king as father to Absalom, covered his face and cried again with a loud voice, O oh, my son Absalom, O oh, Absalom, my son, my son. David loved his son very much, and yet Absalom betrayed his father and rebelled against him. Now, there are many precious gospel facets to behold in this psalm, all of which may be applied to the Lord Jesus Christ, our blessed Savior, the God-man mediator, who in great, great agony accomplished our salvation, and he gave himself for our sins the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Beloved, he suffered once for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And my friend, no one will be brought to God any other way than through his doing and dying by the sacrifice of himself for us, his people. Now let's look at this psalm beginning there at verse 1. Psalm 55 Verse 1. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself. Hide not thy face from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise. I roar all the night and cry unto thee. Now we know how that David was a man given to much prayer. How much more applicable is this portion to the Lord Jesus Christ? It says in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, It came to pass in those days that the Lord Jesus Christ went 
out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. I'd love to pray like that. I'd love to pray like our Lord, wouldn't you? Now, if I could just get a minute of prayer without wandering off in my mind, well, I would count that a great blessing. But here we read of this man, the God-man Jesus Christ, the Lord, how that he cried out unto our Heavenly Father all night. All night he prayed unto God. And even now, even now, beloved, just take it in for a moment, if you can, the blessed reality of it. Our Lord and God ever liveth. And he is at this very moment interceding for us, the righteous perfect man, the God-man Jesus Christ, is yet praying for us, his people. And the Apostle James writes in the book that bears his name, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And indeed, his prayers for his people are effectual. Now, when we pray, we don't complain about him. Do we? Rather, we complain unto him and pour out our hearts before him and make our requests known unto God. Look what he says there in verse 17. Again, Psalm 55, verse 17. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall. It's not he might hear. No, no, rather, beloved, he shall hear my voice by the righteousness and blood of his Son. Beloved, what a privilege we have. What a blessing we've been given through, in, and by the Lord Jesus Christ that we might take everything to God in prayer. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Philippi, Beloved, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about it. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The only thing worrying is good for, as far as I'm concerned, is how that it ought to remind us to pray in everything. Are you burdened down with a great many cares? Are you heavy laden with many worries? Well, listen to what God will have his people to do. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about it. Put it but, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You see, believers have cares. We have worries. We have complaints. And chief among them is this. I mourn over my vile corruption. I mourn over my vile depravity. I mourn over my vile, wicked sin before God. I say with the Apostle Paul, O wretched man that I am, I do mourn that I'm nothing but sin before my sovereign God. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. My friend, that's the only hope any sinner has. For God in grace and mercy to visit us and dress us in salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ had many complaints over that perverse and faithful generation. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 17, our Lord declares, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? 
our Lord said in another place regarding those unbelieving Jews, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Beloved, our Lord was a man of sorrow, indeed a man of suffering, as we can never, never fathom. I mean, when you think how that our Heavenly Father had made His well-pleasing, sinless Son to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. All the sorrow, all the agony, all the grief the Lord suffered in our room instead. Upon the cross He endured the holy wrath of God our Heavenly Father for us, His beloved people. Now look at verse 3. Again, Psalm 55, verse 3. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. And beloved, by nature, we are all children of wrath, even as others. You see, the carnal mind is not merely at enmity against God. Rather, the carnal mind is enmity against God. That's deep-seated, deep-rooted hatred for God. Indeed, men by nature love darkness and hate the light. Absalom and Ahithophel spoke out against David and sought in wrath to kill him. When Absalom started his rebellion against David to put him from the throne, he did it in a conniving way and brought Ahithophel into his scheme. Ahithophel said to Absalom, Let me now choose out 12,000 of your finest men, and I will arise and pursue after David this night, and I will come upon him while he is weary and weak-handed, and will make him afraid, and all the people that are with him shall flee, and I will smite the king only and kill him. This is why David writes in verse 3, In wrath they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. But how much more the enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ? How much more in wrath did they truly hate the Lord and cast iniquity upon Him? They spoke evil of Him, did they not? This one who was holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sin. This one who is the lovely one of heaven, sent of God. Those self-righteous scribes and Pharisees spoke evil of Him, saying He's a wine-bibber, He's a gluttonous man, And they said, the miracles that he does, he does by the power of the devil. He's a friend of publicans and sinners. They cast iniquity upon him. You see, the Jews attributed crimes to him that he was totally innocent of. And in wrath, they hated him. Our Lord said in John 15, This cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. Turn with me to Psalm 69, just a few pages over. And look there with me, beginning in verse 4. Psalm 69, verse 4. They hate me without a cause, are more than the hairs of mine head. They that would destroy me, being my enemies wrongfully, are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. And in verse 5, It's a very solemn verse. 
you know, we read the gospel of our salvation in the New Testament, where we read there how that God, our Heavenly Father, made His sinless Son to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Listen to how our Lord stands in our room instead and owns our sin as His very own. O God, Thou knowest my foolishness. This is not speaking about the Lord's foolishness. He is wisdom manifest in the flesh. But he is confessing our foolishness. He is owning our guilt. And my sins are not hid from thee. I'm so thankful my, hit, my sins are hid in the blood and righteousness of Christ. But on the cross, all my wretched sin, all my iniquity was on display. And God poured out all his unmitigated wrath upon God's spotless, beloved, well-pleasing Son. Beloved, He restored all the ruins of the fall for God's elect. He restored that which Adam took away. By one man's disobedience, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of another shall many be made righteous. All right, verse 4, again, Psalm 55, verse 4. My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. Now, let us never forget that the Lord Jesus Christ was a real man. He wearied in body, he thirsted, he hungered, he suffered pain. You see, he was a real man. And yes, he is the mighty God, but let us never forget he was a real man who came to die for our sins. You see, the Lord was consumed with grief and covered with horror as he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane for us. We read the Gospel accounts how that he said, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. In Luke chapter 22, we read how that our Lord, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now, beloved, you and I don't know anything about that kind of agony. But the Lord Jesus Christ agonized as our sin was being made known to him, along with all the terror and fearfulness and trembling and horror of its penalty covered him. You see, my friend, he experienced the equivalent of hell as the sin and guilt of his people was laid upon him. He said, owning our sin as his own, O God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. And all this sin of his people, all the sins of his people pressing upon him, feeling the wrath of God being laid upon him because of the curse of the law, and it pleased our Heavenly Father to bruise his beloved begotten Son in our stead. Jeremiah wrote, Is it nothing? Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. We know how those unbelieving Jews, how that they were angry and they murdered him, how those Romans, they were no different. They delighted in crucifying another Jew. But, beloved, we must see and we must understand, although it pleased Pilate, 
Herod and the Jews and the Gentiles that were all gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. But it wasn't the bruising that they did that accomplished salvation. No, no. Rather, it was the bruising that our Heavenly Father did on our behalf. You see, it pleased the Father to bruise his Son in our room and in our stead. My friend, it wasn't what wicked men were doing that day that's our hope. It's what God did at the cross that day that's our hope. You see, God made him sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And fearfulness and trembling came upon him and horror overwhelmed him, so much so that he cries, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because, beloved, he is the Holy One of Israel, that Holy One that inhabiteth the praises of Israel. He was made sin. When the loving one was made sin, God Almighty turned from him as he dies the horrible death bearing the sins of God's people. All right, verse 6, Psalm 55. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. And this is speaking here of the windy storm and tempest of God's wrath. And so just like the enemies of David, so too the enemies of Christ pursue God's people like a ravenous hawk pursues a harmless dove. And they all flee to Christ for safety and rest. You see, my friend, sinners flee to Christ for safety, for salvation, and for rest. But it's only found in Him. It's not found in a sound doctrine. It's not found in a theological position. No, my friend, salvation is found in a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is our Lord, and he is our God. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ, under the terror of the law and judgment of sin, desired that the cup of God's wrath would pass from him, that he might flee and escape death, But he prayed, if it's possible, Lord, let this cup pass from me. But it's not possible. He prayed, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And beloved, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Thank God that he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God having accomplished all of our salvation for us, having put away our sin by the sacrifice of himself. What a blessing. What a blessing to have a blessed, happy Savior such as we have in Christ Jesus. My friend, do you know why the Lord Jesus Christ is blessed? Do you know why he's happy? Why he's satisfied? Because everything his father asked him to do, he did. In the covenant of grace, the father said to his son, Save my people. And you know what? He did just that. We read in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11, He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. 
Beloved, our Heavenly Father saw the travail of His Son's soul. And He has been satisfied by His knowledge, by His knowing that His righteous servant, His beloved, well-pleasing Son, shall and has justified many. For He bared their iniquities on the cross, all the iniquities, all the sins of His beloved people. What a blessing. And he said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, that I might fly away. Well, what happened after his resurrection? He ascended to glory after being among men for 40 days, and he ascended into glory. He did flee away, beloved. He did flee away. All right, verse 8, Psalm 55, verse 8. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. For I have seen violence and strife in the city. What a fit description of fallen humanity and what sin is deserving of. Verse 10. Day and night they go about it upon the walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst of it. Wickedness is in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile depart not from her streets. My friend, this book is full of descriptions of our wickedness of the sorry state of fallen humanity, the guilt, the vileness, and the wickedness of fallen men. The psalmist writes in verse 9, Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Destroy them. Swallow them up. My friend, the Lord is going to do that to all the enemies of the gospel. The Lord is going to destroy them and devour them, just as God did Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, just as God did Korah, Dathan, and Abram, uh, Abram, just as God did Ahithophel, Absalom, Judas Iscariot, and all those enemies of Christ and his church, all his enemies will be destroyed forever and ever. Psalm 55, verse 15, Let death seize upon them, and let them go down quick into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Notice verse 23. But thou, O God, shalt bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee. My friend, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. One day, God's going to deal with men in judgment. Now, there's no condemnation, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But for those outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, our God is a consuming fire. My friend, it's appointed unto men once to die, and after that, judgment, judgment, judgment. My friend, judgment is coming. Again, he says in verse 9, Divide their tongues. The Lord will confuse them and put their plans of attack to confusion, as God did with Absalom and Ahithophel, or as the Lord did with those that brought false witnesses against the Lord Jesus Christ. They were put to confusion. Verse 10, Day and night they go about it upon the walls thereof. Mischief also and sorrow are in the midst of it. Wickedness is in the midst thereof, and deceit and guile depart not from her streets. 
where the mischief of sin is, where the mischief of sin is, where the guile of iniquity is, there shall be sorrow. Indeed, there is sorrow in the midst of this fallen world, for it lieth in wickedness and sin. Now, several things are mentioned here in verse 12. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me, then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a, mine, a man mine equal, mine guide, and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked under the house of God in company. You see, it was not the pagan Philistine Goliath who cursed David by his gods, but rather it was one of his own family, one of his own nation, one of his own country, his own son who conspired to kill him. And we've seen this mentioned before. Turn back to Psalm 41. Psalm 41, and look there with me, beginning in verse 9. Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Now this lifting up of his heel speaks of the betrayal of our blessed Savior by Judas Iscariot, who like a wild horse lifted up his heels and in a manner of speaking kicked him in the face, betraying the Son of Man with a kiss. You see, it was not an open enemy who betrayed him, like those Pharisees as sworn public enemies of Christ, who openly rejected him, who said, We have no king but Caesar. Away with him, crucify him, give us bar barbarous. We'll not have this man to reign over us. It was not those open enemies who betrayed him, who openly rejected him and brought such agony and sorrow, but rather it was his own chosen apostle named Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. You see, reproach from an enemy is to be expected. An attack from an enemy is to be anticipated. But reproaches and attacks from someone thought to be a friend, well, that's heartbreaking. That's wounding. That's soul-crushing, is it not? Speaking of Judas, it says here, he was a man my equal, or a man appointed by me, a man who was my guide. Judas was guide to them who took the Lord Jesus, was he not? He led the way for the enemies to arrest the Lord, but it was one of his own twelve that betrayed the Lord. Judas was an acquaintance, a friend, a companion whom the Lord confided in and taught. Yet this man was destitute of grace and sold the Lord for thirty pieces of silver. What's he worth to you, Judas? Just thirty pieces of silver. Just $450 in today's money. And when they came to arrest the Lord Jesus, his supposed friend, his acquaintance, Judas came forth and hailed him as master and kissed him to identify him before the enemy. Look there in verse 21. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter. Hail, master. But war was in his heart. Betrayal was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. Judas and the Lord walked in the temple of the house of God in the place of worship. Think about that. 
Judas heard the gospel from the very lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw the many mighty miracles the Lord performed, and yet it had no effect upon his wicked scheme to betray the Lord. It had no effect upon his wicked heart. My friend, don't tell me that sinners are not depraved. And don't tell me you're any better than Judas. You see, left to ourselves, we'd be just like Judas. Just hearing and seeing so much of the gospel and never believing it. And my friend, should God leave us alone? Should God leave us alone, we'd be just like Judas. You see, grace had never gripped his heart. And so, beloved, let us not be surprised when those we thought were eager, avid supporters of the gospel become enraged enemies and attack the ministry that the Lord established. It's a heartbreaking thing to witness. I've seen it happen more times than I care to admit to. You see, to know someone who you think love the gospel, someone I thought was sincerely and genuinely interested in the ministry, just turn their back and walk away, seemingly never to return. Treason by a trusted friend. Is there anything sadder than that? Paul warned the church about those that would creep in among us, styling false brethren as wolves in sheep's clothing. His warning is recorded by the beloved physician Luke there in Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 28. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. The apostle writes there, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance amongst all them which are sanctified. I know this. Grievous wolves will enter in among you, not sparing the flock. How sad is betrayal. How sad to see those who once said they loved the gospel, believed the gospel, and professed to believe the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet turn away from the gospel and walk away from him. David said in another psalm, Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? Again, verse 15, Psalm 55. Let death seize upon them. Let death seize upon your enemies, Lord, and let them go down quick into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Verse 16. As for me, as for me, Reminds me of the words of Joshua. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You go ahead and choose you this day. Now, a lot of people are totally mixed up on that scripture. He's not saying that you can choose God or not choose God. 
He's not saying you can choose the living God, the true and living God, or not choose the true and living God. Rather, in the context, he said, choose you this day among the false gods of the, of, of, of the Philistines. You choose among those pagan idols whom you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me, as for me, verse 16, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. As for me, I trust every believing sinner in this place can say that. As for me, I will call upon God. Not upon a creature, not upon an idol, not a, a mere figment of my imagination, but I'll call upon the mighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, not upon an idol, but upon the true and living God who alone is able to save to the uttermost all that come to him by his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, salvation is of the Lord, and it's his to give to whom he will. And that being true, that being true, it would be wise to call upon the Lord for salvation. As we read a few weeks ago there in Psalm 54, Save me, O God. Save me, O God, for who else can? Save me, O God, and do it by thy name. Do it by Christ, and judge me or justify me by the strength of your never-failing Savior, Jesus Christ, my Lord and God. David, after the conflict, was restored to the throne of Israel. In Psalm 55, verse 18, we read there, He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. And so after the conflict, David was restored to the throne of Israel. And even more so, the greater David, the Lord Jesus Christ, he was delivered to the throne of glory in victory, having accomplished all of our salvation, making peace for us through the blood of his cross. Now David was restored to the throne, but the Lord Jesus Christ ascended to the throne of glory, and there he ever lives to make intercession for us. The concluding part there, verse 18, David says there, for there were many with me. Now, speaking of Christ and his people, this may be referring to the ministering angels sent forth to minister them who shall be the heirs of salvation. In Psalm 56, verse 9, we read, When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. You see, beloved, God is for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Beloved, it is God who justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who ever liveth to make intercession for us. He hath delivered my soul in peace. We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. From the battle that was against me, my sin was against me, the law was against me, 
the Lord satisfied law and, and justice on my behalf, for there were many with me. Verse 19. God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old. From everlasting to everlasting thou art God. It says in Isaiah 57, verse 15, For thus saith the high and lofty one, that inhabiteth, inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. You see, beloved, though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. As it says there in Psalm 138. You know, man is the complete opposite of everything that God is. The complete opposite. You see, God abideth of old. We can't say that. Man is complete, the complete opposite. We're not of old. We're not eternal. We haven't always been. We have a beginning and we'll have an end. And the end of this old flesh, well, some an expected end and others an unexpected end. You see, man is the complete opposite of God. We're not of old, and unless God does something for us, unless God does something for us, we'll go right on believing a lie and be damned because men love darkness rather than the light. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Look what it says there in the last part of verse 19. Because they have no changes, because they have no changes, Therefore, they fear not God. You see, my friend, God must change us. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. My friend, we don't change ourselves. We don't make ourselves believers. It's not something we do. It's not something we choose. It's not by man's free will. For salvation is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but it's God that shows mercy to whom he will. God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old, because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 20. He hath put forth his hands against such as be at peace with him, and he hath broken, or despised his covenant. God will put forth his almighty hands against those who are at pretended peace. Pretended peace. Remember in Jeremiah, we read about those false prophets that say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. We read in Isaiah, God saying, there is no peace to the wicked. You see, God will put forth his almighty hand against the hypocrite against those who are at pretended peace like Judas and others, like those men Ahithophel and Absalom who made a pretended covenant with death, who say that they are at agreement with the grave, and one day their covenant of lies, their refuge of lies will be swept away. Verse 21. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. You know what the psalmist is saying there in verse 21? 
Those who speak smooth words but are yet at war with God are nothing but depraved hypocrites. Verse 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. Don't carry it around, beloved. Don't carry it around. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. And when you go to the Lord with your burden, take it to him and leave it there. Don't carry it any longer. God give you grace to do that. The apostle writes, indeed, God's word declares in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Beloved, cast all your care upon him. Not some of it. All your care. Cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. He shall sustain thee. Beloved, we're kept by the power of God. He's able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his presence in glory. He shall sustain thee. He shall keep thee, kept by the power of God. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Not completely, not totally or finally away from him. They shall not be moved. Turn to Psalm 62. Psalm 62. Beloved, whatever trials the Lord's whatever trials the Lord sends our way by his sovereign providence, whatever trials they may be, whatever troubles they may be, he shall sustain us through them all. Whatever the Lord brings our way in his infinite goodness, it is wisdom to cast your burden upon the Lord and to look to the Lord for grace to help in time of need. And indeed, God's word commands us to do so. He said, come boldly under the throne of grace. And why is that? To find grace to help in time of need. And Psalm 62 tells us something about that. You see, the Lord shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Now, who are the righteous? Blessed is the man to whom the Lord imputeth righteousness without works. The righteous are those who are found in Christ not having a righteousness of our own, but that which is through the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 62, verse 5. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and the, my refuge is in God. Trust him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Beloved, God is a refuge for us. He's a shelter in the time of storm. And so, beloved, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. His gr grace is sufficient, is it not? He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Our Lord declares to you who labor and are heavy laden, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 